do not. There is no try. You are listening to Jedi Talk. Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of Jedi Talk. I'm your host, Jedi Storm, and today I'm going to be talking about The Last Jedi, specifically strengths and weaknesses with the film. And I'm hoping that for some of the weaknesses, I'll be able to provide some information that will explain why the details and moments from the film weren't as bad as some people are making them out to be. Plus, I'm going to provide a little bit of inside information to Galactic Nights, a Disney Star Wars after party that was held in December. So to begin with, The Last Jedi. This movie has split the Star Wars fan base almost completely in two. There are people who absolutely loved it and people who hated it so much they've started a social media movement called Hashtag Not My Star Wars. Just as a precursor, I stand with the fans who absolutely loved the movie. Now that doesn't mean I thought it was a perfect movie. There was definitely room for improvement. But I think all in all, it was a great addition to the Star Wars universe. Regardless, let's talk about the weaknesses. The weaknesses I'm going to discuss are based off what I've seen on various social media platforms and personal discussions with people and fans who had a lot of issues with the movie. The first weakness that a lot of people have with the movie was the plot. The plot essentially being that the Resistance is out of fuel and since they are being tracked through light speed, they can't go anywhere. People complain saying, why is this the only option they have? Why couldn't they get into other ships that weren't being tracked and leave the big ship behind? This issue is one that I think could have been solved with minimal added dialogue. Ryan Johnson could have added just a little bit more discussion between resistance leaders to explain why they were trapped the way they were, and that could have solved a lot of this plot hole. Now another weakness was the character of Rose, both in general and the whole plotline between her and Finn. Those who are complaining about her character say that Disney is just trying to force another character onto us that wasn't necessary to the plot of the movie. I've even seen her be compared to Jar Jar Binks. While I do think that there could have been better character development with Rose, I think comparing her to Jar Jar Binks is a bit harsh. I personally was entertained by Rose, because seeing her on screen is what I imagine would be any major Star Wars fan's reaction were they in her shoes. And what I mean by that is Rose has been used to working in the background and not really being an important player for the Resistance, but then she meets Finn, a Resistance hero, and gets kind of starstruck and excited. And that's how I think any of us fans would react if we were meeting a Resistance hero. So it's almost as if I'm watching myself and how I would react if I were in the same situation as Rose, and I think that that was pretty cool. In regards to the plotline between Rose and Finn, it all seemed pretty rushed. It was as if they got to Cantabite, and as soon as Finn saw all the glitz and glamour of the city, he was immediately shown the underlying darkness and tragedy the city was built on. There was no true realization or lessons learned for Finn or the audience through the whole sequence, and I think that could have been drawn out more to provide more depth for the characters of Rose and Finn and for the plotline of them together in general. People have also complained that the romantic moment between Finn and Rose towards the end of the movie when Rose kissed Finn was an unnecessary detail. But then I also have a theory that the reason Ryan Johnson did this it was because there were a lot of romantic connotations between Rey and Finn in The Force Awakens, and I think they were trying to break away from that and show that the relationship between Finn and Rey is strictly platonic, and that Rey doesn't need to have a romantic tie to develop her character. Now, if this was the reason there was that romantic moment between Rose and Finn, then I completely understand the need for that. However, if that isn't the reason behind it, then 
I would agree that it was unnecessary, but we may never know the true reasoning behind it. Another big weakness people have pointed out is Luke. His character, the fact that he died, and how he died. Well, I was reading a post on social media the other day that I think perfectly sums up the fact that Brian Johnson didn't really have a choice in how to write Luke's character because of the events in Empire Strikes Back. In Empire, Luke was able to sense that Han and Leia were in danger, so he left Dagobah to go save them. In Force Awakens, if Luke was still using the Force, he would have been able to use that same sense to know that Han was in danger and he would have gone to save him, but that didn't happen. So there really wasn't any other way to explain that plot hole except to say that Luke had shut himself off from the Force. I'm, I don't really think Ryan Johnson had any other choice in Luke's character for The Last Jedi, otherwise there would have been that major plot hole. And in turn, we see Luke's attitude and behavior in the movie. Then there's the whole issue people have with the fact that Luke was killed off and how it happened. Funnily enough, Ryan Johnson actually addressed Luke's ability to project himself planets away to Kylo Ren the other day on Twitter. He posted these pictures of the Jedi path and showed the exact page in the book where it explains that force power in depth. So people who were wondering where that kind of ability came from got their answer pretty quickly. And for those of you who didn't see those tweets, this ability is known as Doppelganger, or Simul Futurus, which permits a Jedi to create a short-lived duplicate of himself or herself or an external object that is visually indistinguishable from the real item. In regards to Luke dying from using this force power, I actually had a discussion with someone about this where they complained saying, whoever heard of dying from force exhaustion? Well, anyone who has ever played a Star Wars video game where a character had force powers knows that when you use a force power in the game, you have to wait a set amount of time for the power to, in a sense, recharge before you can use it again. In this sense, I think that using the force is somewhat similar to us using energy. For example, if we were to go out and run a mile as fast as we can, we would have to recover for a while before we could do it again. I think force powers work the same way. And Luke exerted so much force power and energy that he knowingly sacrificed himself in order to save the Resistance. Obviously, I wish Luke hadn't died, but I think that the way he died was fitting for him. He died sacrificing himself for a cause he had abandoned, and he did it showing the universe just how powerful of a Jedi he truly was. Plus, I don't think we've seen the last of Luke Skywalker. It's very likely that we may see him in Episode Nine as a Force ghost. Moving on to the strengths of the movie. One that I have that some people would probably disagree with is that The Last Jedi was different from the other Star Wars movies. This is actually ironically one of the points that people use to say that The Last Jedi is hashtag not my Star Wars. But people complain that The Force Awakens was too similar to A New Hope and that they wanted something different. Now that they got something different, they complain that it's not the Star Wars they know and love. I mean, if you want something, like the original trilogy, why not just go and watch the original trilogy? The Last Jedi was a brand new adventure that didn't just copy and paste the plot of Empire and insert new characters' names. As a huge Star Wars fan who loves delving into the extended universe as well as canon material, I don't want to be taken on the same journey over and over again with all of these new movies and shows, etc. that Disney is creating. I loved going to the theater and experiencing this new trilogy becoming its own adventure instead of a remake of 4, 5, and 6. Another strength in my opinion was the inclusion of some extended universe material. 
like the detail from the video games I spoke about earlier, and also the information from the Jedi Path that Ryan Johnson used in The Last Jedi. Seeing extended universe material used in the canon films is somewhat surreal and just so amazing to experience. To me, it shows the dedication of the director and the writers to truly encompass the whole Star Wars universe in the films. The last strength I'm going to mention is the fact that we finally get to see Leia use Force powers. The whole scene where this occurred was a bit corny, but we've known that Leia was Force-sensitive since the original trilogy came out, and even in the extended universe, we've never seen her use those abilities with the exception of communicating telepathically with Luke. I mean, Leia's a Skywalker. There's no way she's a part of that bloodline and doesn't have some sort of Force ability. I know some people ask how she was able to use those powers in that scene, and Ryan Johnson actually gave an explanation, saying that her being able to do that was similar to when mothers are able to lift cars in order to save their children. It was kind of like a knee-jerk reaction. It was literally a life-or-death scenario for Leia. So either use the Force, or die. And I am personally glad that she was able to use the Force in that situation. Because despite the looming knowledge that we will have to say goodbye to Leia sometime soon, I was not mentally prepared for that in this movie. So overall, was the movie perfect? No. But the movie is what it is, and if all of us fans were to get everything we wanted from a movie, it would just be a bunch of random theories and scenes thrown together that wouldn't make any sense. In general, I think this movie was great. There were moments that definitely could have been improved, but in my opinion, it was still an amazing film. Now I'd like to just give a brief recap of Star Wars Galactic Nights, a Disney Star Wars after party. This event was held in December at Hollywood Studios in Disney World, following the premiere of The Last Jedi. And in short, it was amazing. Any chance I get to dress up with other Star Wars fans and cosplay surrounded by Star Wars-themed food, rides, and events is a guaranteed good time. And this event did not disappoint. First off, Warwick Davis hosted the whole event, which was really exciting since he has been in every Star Wars movie since Return of the Jedi. And I actually got to meet him when I attended Galactic Nights, and it was one of the coolest moments of my life. Some of the entertainment that was happening at Galactic Nights included the Hollywood Tower Hotel projecting characters and scenes from Star Wars onto its front. And were it not for all of the other exciting events happening that night, I could have stood there watching it the whole time. There was also Star Wars themed food and drinks like lightsaber churros, which were delicious, and swamp juice, which was also incredible. The rock and roller coaster had also been transformed to include music from the Star Wars saga, and it had projections on the walls as well. It was awesome. And Star Tours had been revamped to include new adventures and characters from The Last Jedi. But definitely the coolest part of the entire night, well, for me anyway, was the exclusive panel where new information was revealed about Galaxy's Edge, the new Star Wars park that Disney is building within Hollywood Studios. They shared never-before-seen images of the construction, Information about what the park will include, such as a fleet of X-Wings. Just let that sink in. A fleet of X-Wings. It's amazing. And a one-of-a-kind toy store where you'll be able to buy items that literally look as though they were truly made on the planet of Batu, which is the name of the trading post where you will be on Galaxy's Edge. And you won't be able to find those items anywhere else. You can only get them there. I was actually able to find a video of the whole panel, and I posted it on the social media sites for this podcast. You can find it on Instagram or Twitter under Jedi Talk 77 
And I've also included pictures on both those platforms of some awesome new trading cards that guests at Galactic Knights were able to collect on the way out of the event. They are a new set that are based on Galaxy's Edge and are pretty neat in that you're shown a scene of some sort on the front and then sections of the park itself on the back, so you really get a detailed glimpse at the future park. Some of the writing on the cards is also in Arabesh, and every starter pack came with a translator so you could learn the Arabesh language. They were a really unique souvenir, and it was pretty amazing to be one of the first people to get a pack of those cards. If Disney continues to hold this event in the future, I highly recommend for you to attend if you are able to. It was so much fun, and any Star Wars fan of any age would enjoy going. Well, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed this week's topics. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes, feel free to email me at jeditalk77 at gmail.com. And be sure to follow me at jeditalk77 on Instagram and Twitter for news and updates on the show. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. I'm Jedi Storm, and may the Force be with you.